Well, today we are starting a new series called You Deserve It All. And, and I think that that title hits, hits the, the nail on the head for where we're wanting to go in this series that uh, you may not be able to guess from the title, but it's about uh, our finances and about resources. About every two years or so, sometimes every year, we try to do at least one series uh, on, on this topic. And the reason being is, is twofold, kind of, kind of onefold, kind of twofold. The, the, the main overarching reason is somewhat surprising often to people. And that is that uh, other than the kingdom of God and Jesus talking about how that he had come to usher in the kingdom of God, Jesus talked the most about our finances and resources. So, you know, if we were told, hey, make a list of what do you think Jesus talked the most about? Um, there's probably several things, prayer, faith, you know, some of those kind of hallmark Christian things that would probably make it in our, in our list mentally above, uh, above finances. But Jesus talked uh, second to, to the kingdom of God the most about about finances than any other thing. And so, uh, so that's, that right there makes it a pretty crucial place of, hey, we want to, to identify, I want to emulate what Jesus did. But secondly, and again, partly the same, is the reason why I believe Jesus did that. And that's because uh, our finances, our resources, they, they impact us every single day. Right, and sometimes it impacts us positively, sometimes not so positively, depending on you know, how things are going and what stress levels hit us. But every day, whether it's just, hey, we're going to work and we're earning money, we're paying rent, all those kind of things, or you know, we're struggling and we're having to believe God for, for how, how are we gonna make the pay? It, it, it affects all of us every single day. And, and the thing we know about God He's not some distant, far off God, but rather he is a God that draws near, that, that wants to speak in to the everyday. And not only that, and, and we know this from our personal experiences, is that, that, that money, our finances, our ability to, to get through life uh, it, with, with those things, uh, it, it can affect us. It can affect our, our moods. It can affect our attitudes. It can affect our stress levels. And, and so it, it's connected to our heart. It just got, it has this, you know, this little hook in our heart so often. And, and what we see that's consistent throughout the New Testament is that Jesus is after the heart. Not about the outside and not about what, what we do and what other people see, but he's always after the heart. And so again, the reason he spoke so much about it is because he knew how vulnerable our, our hearts are uh, to, to, this, to, to the, the, the area of finances uh, in life be, be, and just making it and providing for a family and all those types of things. And so he's a good God who speaks to these things with a desire to set our hearts free. Amen, that's what we want. We want freedom in every area and God wants freedom for us in the area of finances and resources, which can provide so much anxiety or cause so much anxiety in our lives. Um, and while we do that uh, consistently as a church, while this series has been on, on the calendar for quite some time, I also want to bring up a place of hardship that we are in a, a, as a church right now uh, financially. And so uh, if you're a guest with us, this is one of those times you're like, oh, I picked the wrong church to check out today uh, or whatever. But, but actually, I, I think it's... Um, 
I think, because this happens from time to time, and I actually think it's, it's a good insight into the, into the family room because that's who we are. We, we're, we're a family. That's how we try to do church together. Uh, that, that's why you know, there's meal trains when somebody has a baby or goes through surgery and we're taking food over to their house. That's why we do things like last week when we had field day and the, the purpose of it was just to have fun as a family. And even in bitter defeat, I had a great time. Uh, it was... It was awesome. Not last place, but second to last place. But still, just being with the family, right? Uh, so, so enjoyable. In the same way, sometimes the family gathers together to have conversations about things that, that, that are, are maybe uncomfortable to uh, those outside the family. But, but we're saying, we've done that as our own, uh, my nuclear family. Like, we've had to have that a couple times. Like, hey, this Christmas, guys, is gonna look a little different maybe than the last Christmas in terms of where we are financially. And we talk it through or, hey, we're not gonna be able to do that Six Flags vacation, but we're gonna spend a couple days at home. And here's some of the activities we're going to do. And though maybe there's some disappointment, there's some strain in the end, what we found is that it knits the family closer together because we're just, we're vulnerable. We're, we're in it together and, and it's part of the ups and downs of life. And so I want to bring you into that for just a moment. We're not going to spend the whole time there, um, uh, but, but I do want to, to bring you into it. And, and while some of you already know about this, particularly if you get our weekly newsletter, it's, it's continually updated and reported. Um, but as a church, we are behind this year. And the, the total that we're behind is $160,000 as of the end of July. And so that number, as we're, we're, we wanted to get the August numbers fully computed, they're not fully computed at this time, but that number is going to go up in the month of August because of the trend that we've been seeing. Uh, so that's a, that's a little bit of a, I know, a heavy, like I'm just coming out of the gate saying it, but um, I will say this, uh, it's very typical for uh, a church, our church included, at this time of the year to be 50 or 60,000 behind where budget should be because of the trend of nonprofit giving that, that escalates over, over the course of the year. So there is a, a little bit of understanding there, but at the same time, we're not 50 or 60,000 behind, uh, we're, we're much more than that. And so uh, for, for us as a, as a church staff, uh, it's brought us to our knees, certainly. It's been a, a trend that we've been seeing and asking God uh, what to do about. And, and I wanna say this as, as an encouraging word, and, and I'll say it for me, um, and you may know this if you've been here the last couple of weeks, we've been a series in John 15 talking about pruning. This, if you felt any heart, heartfelt in that, it was because of this, like, just like, okay, God, what are you doing? How, how, do, how are we supposed to move forward? And we, man, we have felt the encouragement of God um, in that place where it's like, we don't wanna be here if it was my plan. I would have had us coming in with excess, being able to do extra things and all this kind of stuff. And oh, we made it easy, praise God. And it seems as though God is doing something in us through this, but there's also a place of us responding. And so I wanna share a little bit about that, of how we've begun that on our end, uh, just to try to, to minimize uh, the, the, the expenses. And so we're under on expense already, uh, praise God, but we feel like there's even a greater place to tighten and to, to cut back. And so uh, we've done some uh, ministry budget freezing. All ministry spending has to go through managers. And so we're still gonna be doing ministry, but we're just trying to be all, more creative than ever before and how to do that without uh, spending money that was allocated for that. And so we're really pulling back there. Same thing on some of our operational budgeting, uh, where something 
things, obviously bills have to be paid and all those kind of things. And we have money to do that, but we're just trying to pull back and, and catch up. And, and so we're doing that at every measure that we can. Uh, our staff, it, we, I love our staff family and uh, they have all agreed to the fourth quarter receiving 10% pay cut. Um, and, and, and on top of that, some of them are giving up a, a, a paycheck for, for one of the pay periods and just saying, hey, we're in this together. We believe in what God's doing and we're gonna, we're gonna move forward. And as we do that, we, we're also just saying, God, where could we have uh, done, done a better job in, in, the, in the forecasting and how can we do that better moving forward? Uh, last thing I wanna say is how we do do that, okay? So again, I, I'm only gonna give a few of the details. Uh, we're actually going to have a, an opportunity for you guys to come if you so desire to hear more fully uh, hey, where we are, these are the actual numbers and all of that kind of thing. Uh, tomorrow night, 5.30, I know this may not be the best time. We're trying to squeeze it in before life groups start, after people get out of work, but from 5.30 to 6.30, we're gonna take uh, the first half hour to just talk about it because our desire in all of it, again, this is the family. This isn't my, my resource, this is ours. And this is God's church and, and this body's. And so we desire to be fully transparent. So we're gonna spend some time just doing that for those first 30 minutes. And then spending the last half hour just praying, saying, God, you are our provider. You're the one who makes the way. You are with us. You're the head of this church. And so we're just gonna seek him in that way. Um, and so if you're, if you're desiring or craving more of that, or if you'd just like to pray, we'd love to have you right here tomorrow night at 5.30. Um, but we, we uh, as a church, in, in any church, you, uh, typically the, uh, the, the ministry schedule kind of begins in the fall, runs through the spring and grows into Easter, uh, and then kind of there's always the dip in the summer. And so when we're thinking about things, that's kind of how we project the year. In the same way for our budgeting, though it goes off of a calendar year, uh, we, we take the fall giving trends, and then uh, from that place, we use it as a forecasting model and always have to, uh, to project what the next year's tithe income uh, would be so that we can make a, hopefully a conservative budget off of those things. And so um, we did the, the same thing this year and we were actually very excited. Uh, the last two years previous to this have, have provided a major financial strain for, for churches coming out of COVID and, and, and navigating that whole time of life. And, and this year we came into the year uh, with just a six and a half percent budget increase uh, off of the, the fall giving trends, which is a, a very, we, we've never, outside of 2020 itself, uh, have never not grown um, by at least six and a half percent in any given year. Last year, actually, uh, we grew more like 15% off of our fall giving trends into the, the new year. And so we were so encouraged, feeling like, okay, we've made it through. Um, and yet, one of the things I think we failed to do is to understand uh, fully how what's going on in our economy and the, 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 um, the rise of prices in things uh, is affecting all of us uh, heading into this year. And so typically what we have is the fall giving trend um, and the, the kind of the, the, the typical ebb and flow is that in the spring that stays about the same. Sometimes it goes up a little bit, um, but it stays about the same. And then the fall for, for any church is the, is the typical season of growth. And so, and then we kind of gain that, that six and a half percent over the late summer and into the fall. Well, this year, rather than staying about the same from the fall into the spring, 
uh, we dropped in our, in our giving 15%. And so uh, we're not sure uh, all of what uh, made that be the case, but uh, just the fall trend into the spring trend dropped 15%, even though we've actually grown by 5% from the fall uh, into the spring, which is a, is a good and healthy place of growth for our size of church when we haven't even hit the fall yet. And so, um, so we're, we know that there's, just, there's, there's more financial strain that each and every one of us are feeling. I've talked to many of you and the, the, some of the struggles in your own businesses and things that are going on. We've got a guy in the church who works for a, a major IT placement uh, company in the Valley. And he's been here for the last seven years and said that we've never had so many really formerly gainfully employable people uh, coming to us in this season. And uh, we've also just kind of been reaching out and hearing about other, other churches and how's it going. And, uh, and it feels like the that every church is experiencing this at some level. And so uh, with that, uh, I just wanna say God is good. He's faithful to us. He's faithful to his big C church. And uh, we're, we, we have the opportunity to yeah, cut, cut back where we can and say, okay, God, where do we need to make corrections even moving forward? But, but also walk out of here with, with great faith uh, that, that God is with us and that we have the opportunity to pull together as a church family. And so uh, that's, what, that's what we plan on doing. And, and when, um, when, when I think about this series, uh, what, I, what I first wanna say is that next week, we're gonna talk about God as provider. And, and I think, it, it, you know, as I've heard more and more about uh, people that are struggling, churches that are struggling, uh, it feels like just a timely message that God wants to reintroduce himself as provider. I'm the provider, that I'm the one that you can look to. Not even your, your paycheck, how well your business is doing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, but, but would, you, would you come back and look to me? And I can say for myself, it's certainly, again, not the way that we would plan it. It would be like, well, we'd, we'd rather have some excess and then we can give more, God, and then we can do this, God. But he's like, actually, I'm not after you giving more, I'm after your heart being fully devoted to me. And so it feels like, not, not trying to paint a pretty picture on it, it's actually a, it's a, it's a heart-wrenching picture, uh, but I feel that there's some deep things that God is wanting to do in us. So we're gonna talk about him as provider. And today we're, we're gonna look at a passage of scripture out of Mark 14 that, that really just drills down more than any other passage maybe in my mind, uh, particularly if, in, in dealing with the resources than this passage to the heart, just to the heart level. Um, because the, the last thing that I would want anyone in here to feel is any sort of guilt or like, okay, well, we should have been or we could have been or why didn't we? Or, uh, and I, I've actually been trying to get out from underneath that place myself, like, God, should I have done this or could we have made some better decisions? And, and while we learn from those things, uh, both we as well as uh, anybody in the family, uh, we, we go forward, say, okay, God, what, are, what do you want to do? What's our place of response? How can we be given to you? Uh, not just like, okay, I'm supposed to do this, or I forgot to give this, okay, I gotta better go back and do that. It, and that's really not the place to start or, or to be. It's, it's the, the place is to, be, is to come out of this heart that's given to him. So I wanna read Mark chapter 14, and I believe that God wants to do something significant in, in our hearts this morning. Mark chapter 14, beginning in verse three. It says, while he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. 
Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And so, first of all, we're, we're in the home, in this home in Bethany, in the home of Simon the leper. Now, this is just a side note, but that's incredible in and of itself. Simon the leper, sad for him that that's his name. That, that's how long he had leprosy at some point in his life. But cool that he has that name. And now there are people gathered in his home because he's been healed by Jesus, okay? So that's just amazing. You just start out with people's lives that have been transformed. I mean, night from day. Okay, a, a leper li living outside of society, ostracized, uh, you know, unclean, now fully in the, in the life, uh, so much so that Jesus is gathering there with his disciples. Then you have this woman who has come into this house, kind of unannounced, unknown, and, and she comes in with a, this alabaster jar, very expensive perfume, and she breaks the jar and pours it on the, on, on the head of Jesus. She pours it out on him. And it's this extravagant gesture. I mean, incredibly extravagant gesture. Because what that would have mean, and you've maybe heard this before, but that alabaster jar of expensive perfume would have been all that she had to her name, most scholars believe. That, that that would have been it. That would have been her sole possession in life. And so she, in a moment, is breaking the jar and pouring the perfume out on Jesus. At the same time, it's not only about her present circumstance of having enough money, but it's also believed that for a, a woman at this time, that would have represented her dowry, which is the, the gift that would be given and that would be demanded and expected uh, from, from the family of a suitor, of a, a would-be husband. And so in the same moment that she's giving up all of her financial uh, resources and possessions uh, and doesn't maybe know, okay, what does that mean for my tomorrow? She's also giving that up for her future, laying down the, the possibility of being married and having other places of support or, uh, or to, to kind of fit in with society. And so in a moment, there is this gesture of givenness to Jesus that, that is, is almost unparalleled. It certainly is in the mind of those gathered in that room. And so my question is just like, What? What was that like? What, what, her, her meeting with Jesus, what was her life like? What was she going through? To, uh, what what, what um, uh, places of, of brokenness or hurt and pain, lostness was she experiencing that when she met Jesus and she was healed or she was delivered or she was seen, really seen for the first time and all hopelessness was broken off of her, whatever those things that happened, there was something incredibly powerful 
that she found in the person of Jesus and, and, and who he is and what he had done for her that would cause her to respond like that. And, and that is who Jesus is. And, and what we will find is that is actually not some extravagant place of response, but it was the proper place of response. In some ways, we, you know, we, we often, we, we look at this like, wow, yes, extravagant worship. What a picture. I'm glad she did that. That's a great picture for us. Rather than a like, wait, is that supposed to be normal for us? Is that, is, that, is that something like, oh, we can applaud her, like way to go? Or is it something that we're to be convicted by and say, does my worship of him resemble this? You know, what, what, in, in what ways am I meeting with Jesus? In what ways am I interacting with him, encountering him that would cause me to respond like this? Or am I just simply not? Because this isn't just something like, oh, I just felt like giving everything I own away today and giving up all my prospects for marriage. She didn't just feel like that. It just didn't seem like a good idea one day. It was directly in response to the person of Jesus. And so when we find ourselves going through the motions of life, maybe we're still going to church, maybe we're still reading our Bible, going, whatever the things are, maybe we've kind of gotten out of the habit of some of those things. Regardless, if we could kind of look back and see like, and I've just kind of been going through the motions, missing that place of connecting with the person of Jesus so that it, it changes everything. It changes the way I see the, the world around me. It changes the way I live my life. It changes the, the idea of what it looks like to worship him. And what once maybe would seem extravagant is now like, no, this is my normal response to who he is and what he's doing in my life. How could I not do that? How could I not live that way? And so I think the first question that, that this text begs of us is, are we connecting regularly with Jesus in a way that I believe he would want to connect with us? Are we meeting with him? Are we recognizing who he is in a way that causes us to respond with adoration and, and what may seem to others to be extravagant acts of worship in the way that we live and the way that we think and make decisions? Where it's like, wait, what, you're doing what? That's crazy. Well, this is what God's doing, and this is how he's showing me, and I trust him. And I'm not going to trust in the, the, the way of climbing the corporate ladder. I'm, I'm making this step, and I'm going to trust him. You know, what, whatever it might be, are we in a place? Are we in a place to do that? Are we in a place to, to live that out because of how we're meeting with Jesus in a regular way, if there's, if there's things, if we can think back in our lives to times where, man, I used to live more that way. Or, you know, I used to be so excited and passionate and like willing to do, go here, or say this, and, and now I've just kind of gotten into this other rhythm or routine. I think it would be wise for us to just invite him in again and, and to say, God, I just wanna, I wanna give you my heart again. I just wanna, I wanna give it to you but, but, and I wanna respond to you uh, in, in your, your nearness and your pursuit of me. So, so we have this just extravagant act of worship. And then it says that there were some that didn't really like that so much. So when you begin to uh, operate in that way, you, you've got to be ready for, for the naysayers, even those that are well-meaning. Because th there may have been some in the room that were well-meaning saying, you know, why, why did you do this? This is a waste. <laughs> like this money uh, is worth a year's wage. It could have been given to the poor. Um, and, and so 
it's like, okay, there's some well-meaning things there. There's some uh, counsel that was given that was not like contrary to scripture, like, oh, give it to the poor, not just like store it up for yourselves. You never know what's gonna happen. It was like, okay, there, there was maybe some wisdom there, but what we at times need to be careful of is the way that wisdom uh, can, can masquerade as a lack of faith, it can, it can masquerade or cover up a, a heart that's not surrendered to Jesus. Um, because the, the, and what we find is that not only were they well-meaning, but there was, there was a, something that hit a nerve here. And sometimes finances, it, it hits a nerve for us. Like, you know, there's a lot of things that happen in my life. I'm like, God's going to do it. I, I have faith. I have, but sometimes the, the financial strain comes and I'm like, Oh God, what am I going to do? Like, you know, like this is the, like, he can't do something about that. Or like, he doesn't know that, you know, like, and, and I can, I can really go downhill fast just looking at the fight. And so there's just this, this thing that it, it can touch a nerve or um, we can, we can feel frustrated, upset. These guys are like, they're saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? And then they've got some religious answers to go with that. This could have been given to the poor, you know, like uh, all these kinds of things. And that's why, again, even with what I was sharing earlier about where we are as a church, and of course, we're gonna have to rally as a family and say, God, how can we be a part of, of helping the family get through a difficult time? We will do those things. But if it's just like, oh yeah, yeah, we should be giving to the church, or get the, then again, we're missing it. These guys were missing it. What we're about to find is that Jesus says, what she did is a beautiful thing. And what are they saying? You did an ugly, terrible thing. They, they because of the, the, where their heart is in the area of finances, and th this is some of the disciples. This, this isn't just like some random people. This is people that have been walking with Jesus. But their heart hadn't gotten free here. And they're like, hey, this is an ugly, detestable thing. This is a waste. We're, we are indignant about this. And, and you know the place that over the years I've been convicted, especially early on, uh, when, when God first convicted me on this passage, uh, it was through just kind of picturing the room, that, that this setting, this house of Simon the leper. And, um, and, God, and, and Jesus basically, I felt like he asked me, what, what side of the room would you be on? Would you be, be on that side that's saying, didn't it? Or my side that's saying, leave her alone? And I was like, and, and he asked that question, he, he knew. Because I was like, I think I'd be, I think I'd be upset. You know, like, why, why would you do this? Like, yes, there's all, all kinds of things you could do. Or like, or just like, that, that, is, is that necessary? Can you just tell him? You know, could you just say it to him? Can you show him in some other way? Write him a song, sing it to him. We do that. You know, just sing, sing it to him. You know, um, like, what, why? Like, I, and, and he convicted me because that, that puts me in opposition to Jesus, who in the very next verse says, leave her alone. They're rebuking her harshly. And he stands up and he says, leave her alone, guys. You're missing it. You're in opposition to the things of God right now. He says, what she has done, why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. She's done a beautiful thing to me. Can't you see it? And so we, we, there's something that God wants to do in us that takes us on that journey of our heart being free in the area of resources and finances from, from seeing things as ugly that he's calling beautiful. The, this place of givenness to him, uh, this responsiveness in worship at the, in the very area that's tied so directly to our hearts that would cause us to respond rebuking and in, with indignance and with anxiety and worry and say, no, he's worth it. He's worth it. 
he's worth it. Any way that I can express it, in every way I want to express it, she has done a beautiful thing to me. He says, the poor you will always have. You can help them out anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. I love that little phrase. We often call it the, one of the great equalizers in the New Testament. This little phrase saying, she did what she could. Because sometimes we think about messages like this and uh, people that could, could give a lot or uh, they, you know, their, their gifts or you know, the way they use their, their gifts and talents man, can, can do this or that. And I, I don't know how to do those things. I don't make a lot of money. I, I don't know what I have to offer. Like, what do I have to give? And, and here Jesus says, she did what she could. And so that question of what do I have to give is the right question. It just has the wrong tone. What do I have to give? Well, you, you have yourself to give. You, you do have things to give. You know what you have to give. And it doesn't have to look like what anybody else gives. It's just like it's the heart given to Jesus saying, here I am. Here, here's all that I am. Here's all the resources that I have. Here's all the, the dreams that I have. Here, here's all the, the sin and junk that I have. And I just, I'm, oh, here I am. And it's all yours because you're worthy. And why would I trust myself rather than trusting the king of the universe? And so I entrust myself to you. I'm given to you. And that's what she's, that's what she's doing. It, Jesus goes on and says um, that, that she poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. She had no idea she was doing that. She, she didn't have that, that connection. She didn't know that that's what she was doing. She was just saying, you are worthy. You've changed my life. I, my life has gone from darkness uh, to light. I had nothing to live for. Now I have everything to live for, even though now I don't have any money and I don't have any prospects, but I still have you. And before you, I had nothing. And so I've got more than I've ever had. Even though the world would say, you have less than you've ever had. And they would be right, but I would trump them and be even righter. Because I, have, I have, because I have more than, than I've ever, ever had. And so she's saying that. And the cool thing about that is when we are making personal responses of worship and adoration to Jesus, uh, it always leads to, to, the, to the cross and to the resurrection. You didn't even know you were doing it, but you were preparing me. You were pointing people to my resurrection, to my burial and resurrection. And so we have the same opportunity. She didn't set out saying like, oh, I wanna show people through my extravagant gift uh, why you should, it was just like, no, I just have to worship him. And then Jesus says, this is what she was doing. She didn't even know it, but she had an integral part in the kingdom of God and seeing the purposes of God unfold. And so do you and I today and in the lives of those that we live around. And can I just end by saying, Jesus honors that. The last verse, I mean, truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will be told in remembrance of her. What she did in that singular moment in this little bitty home of Simon the leper among these few guys, this, this act of worship, it will be told all over the world. And it has to honor this gift, to honor this heart of givenness to honor the heart of givenness, to honor the heart that said, I, I'm all yours, Jesus. I, I, 
There's nothing else I, I'm going to, I wanna in, invest in, put my hope in, put my trust in. You've given me everything. And so my response is only to worship you and give you what I can, give you what I can. And so Lord, we come to you with that heart today. We come to you with that heart today. And I shared this in the first service, but I just feel, I just see it again in my mind's eye as I close my eyes to pray. I, I see the front of this room filling up with people because you know, we often call the, the front of the room or the front of a church, not the front of any room, the front of a church an altar. The idea being that we bring our lives as a, as, a, as a sacrifice to Him. And I just see the front filling up with people saying, I, I offer myself again to you. I'm, I wanna be given to you, Jesus. I don't wanna go through the motions anymore. I don't wanna hold, hold back. I don't wanna store up. I wanna be broken and poured out because you're worthy. And so I've got to respond in that way. And I just, and, and, and as I see, I, I picture the same thing just happening right down my mind's eye as people are filling the room. And if you need to come up and fill the front, you can do that. And what I see is Jesus literally just walking around the room, walking around the front up here and saying, and seeing the heart and saying, what a beautiful thing. Oh, what a beautiful thing. As we come up here, if that's in your heart, just saying, God, Jesus, you deserve it all. You deserve all of who I am. I see him just walking around, almost just like patting you on the back, putting his hand on your head and saying, this is a beautiful thing. And so why don't you go ahead and stand with me as we have a time of response. And if that's you, if there's just something stirring in you to give of yourself, to lay, lay your heart bare in that way, to say, God, I wanna walk in this place again. I don't wanna look back to my former days where I used to have this passion or this, that, that. Let it be today and let it only know increase all the days of my life because you are worthy, Jesus. We're also gonna have our ministry team up here in the front. If you need prayer for anything, please come and receive prayer. We believe God answers prayer, that He is big and that He sees you and He knows what you're going through. And we would love to pray with you and help to bear that burden with one another. And finally, if, for those in the room that don't have a relationship with Jesus, you've never heard about what, what does that mean? What does it look like to have a relationship with him? But you're hearing something today about his love and his pursuit of you, how worthy he is, and you'd like to know him today, you can do that. His arms are open wide, no matter where you've come from, no matter what you've done, uh, he's saying, once you come home. And so we'd love to talk with you about that, but however you need to respond to God, Let's do it before we leave this place today.